0: From him, commentator on this section of Scripture, they were apparently overly anxious about the Lord's return and wanted to make sure they did not miss it. Their zealous preoccupation with Jesus' coming led to the mistaken notion that temporal responsibilities no longer mattered in light of his return. How many of you would call out sick all week if you knew he was coming on Friday? <laughs> This church is anticipating, and yet in anticipating Christ's return, their responsibilities, they they let up on, their responsibilities. Thus Paul had to give them some substantial instruction to correct their misunderstanding and unhealthy responses to the promise of the intimate return of the Lord Jesus. Now we're going to look at four verses And I want to take the truth in these verses, and I want to summarize them all under one category, which is the title of our message tonight, and that is this, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. We're in 1 Thessalonians 4. Follow along as I begin reading. In verse number 9, we'll look at some practical suggestions that he makes to this church. Verse number 9 But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. We're going to look at four practical suggestions under the theme, keep pressing on. Lord, we ask tonight that you would do what only you can do, open truth to our minds and hearts. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask, Lord, that you would help us as you speak to respond, to say yes to you. Lord, we're thankful that you're coming again. But, Lord, until the day we see you face to face, would we press on in doing that which you've called us to do. Lord, we'll thank you for what you do here in our midst here tonight. And then, Lord, would you meet with us in a special way as we thank you and praise you for what you did for us on Calvary's cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep pressing on, number one, by growing in love. By growing in love. But as touching brotherly love, he says... You don't need that I write unto you because you have been taught to love one another. And indeed you do it, but he says this, but increase more and more. Obviously, the word for love used here is the highest form of love, agape love, which is an act of the will to choose to give of yourself without expecting anything in return. The idea of increasing more and more has the idea of excelling or superabounding fervently continue to stretch yourself to love one another. I thought about this as we think concerning why would he ask this church you're doing a good job loving but continue and continue to stretch yourself to love one another. I thought about this the the longer I live the more challenging sometimes things can be in the society in which we live in. People seem to get further and further away from the truth of the word of God. And it seems to me like people can can, uh, seem to get more and more stubborn with the the non-truth, with the unbiblical things that they're believing. And sometimes we can find ourselves as we get older, been there, done that, our love can wane. And we think concerning the church there at Ephesus, the where they write a letter to the church there in the book of Revelation, I see your works, I see what you're doing, but the reality is what? You have left your first love. And you know, obviously to me, in that passage of scripture, that's their love for the Lord. My love for the Lord and my love for others are linked. And sometimes people that have beliefs and that are stubborn in their beliefs that are further and further away from the truth of God, can be harder to love. You know, some people are easy to love. But well, the Bible doesn't say love the ones that are easy to love. The Bible says that we have to love one another. we got to love the ones that are harder to love. And you know, by the way, those that are harder to love shouldn't be Christian people. We ought not find ourselves saying, you know, I get along with... And have more love for and a more connection with somebody that's not saved than someone that is saved. That shouldn't be the case. Why? Because the love of Christ that's shed abroad in my heart ought to be the same love of Christ that's shed abroad in your heart. And we're, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And the admonition is as obviously he's going to talk about Christ's coming as we look to that, we've got to continue to increase to abound in love. Romans 5, 5. I quoted this already, half of it, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I was struck the other day, a couple maybe a week or two ago, with two passages of Scripture that I want to show you here tonight. The first is found in Luke chapter 23. While I was reading my devotions, I came to this passage of scripture and the Lord brought the other passage of scripture to mind as I meditated concerning what we find in Luke chapter number 23. In Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 34, Jesus had been accused falsely. Jesus had been beaten. We'll talk about that tonight, right, as we celebrate his body that was broken for us. He was so beaten that they didn't recognize him. His blood was shed for us on Calvary's cross. And here Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he's looking at the individuals that mistreated him, that did him wrong. He had no business. Obviously, he's doing it for God, right? He didn't didn't do anything wrong to deserve being on the cross. He's innocent. The Bible says that Jesus says in verse number 34, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I thought concerning the love of the Lord Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It's easy to love somebody that loves us back, it's easier to love somebody that is kind of neutral. But the hardest people to love sometimes are the people that are our enemies the people that mistreat us, the people that do us wrong. And Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I found myself thinking maybe what you're thinking as I'm meditating on this in my devotions. Well, that's Jesus, you know, Jesus. And we're to be like Jesus. But then it's as if God said to me, oh, yeah, well, why don't you turn to Acts chapter number seven? And I found myself in Acts chapter number seven, as I was thinking, meditating on this in my devotions, and in Acts chapter number seven, we find a human being just like you and me. Matter of fact, Stephen was probably one of the first deacons of the early church. And Stephen was all in for the Lord. He stood up to preach and to tell people how they could know they're on their way to heaven and they didn't like it. And they picked up stones and they threw them at him. And Stephen gave his life for the cause of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says this in verse 59 of Acts 7. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin their charge he didn't say Lord I'm coming there and I'm thankful that these hoodlums are going down there that wasn't his heart cry at all his heart cry was Lord lay not this sin to their charge similar to what the Lord Jesus cried Father forgive them that's real love Paul said hey (laughs) if I if I had to be accursed for my brethren, my kinsmen, I'd be willing to go to hell if they could be saved. That's true love. You think about this. You be, might be willing to give a, a, a kidney. Right? We have two kidneys and one liver. I think that's what it is. A kidney to somebody else, someone in your family. But I wonder how many of us would be willing to give a kidney. I wouldn't our worst enemy hey this is love the apostle Paul said to this church at Thessalonica keep growing in love allow yourself to be stretched in this matter of love by this Jesus said shall all men know ye are my disciples if you have love one to another Go back to 1 Thessalonians. We need to keep pressing on by growing in love. Number two, we need to keep pressing on by, I'm going to use the phrase, live in peace. Look at verse number 11. An interesting little phrase. The Bible says, and that ye study to be quiet. Literally, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. To strive for a, for quiet, it means to be. It can mean to be silent. <laughs> the idea of making it your ambition. Now, if I was a parent here, I guess I am a parent. I guess I have some teens in my home. I guess I could mark this. You now have a biblical reason to tell your children to be quiet. Study to be quiet. Now, you don't have a biblical reason to tell your husband to be quiet or your wife. I'm just kidding. You know, the reality is what? The reality is sometimes our lives can be so busy, can be so noisy. There can be so many things that are going on. It's interesting, Paul admonished Timothy. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I I think one of the devil's goals is to try to keep us so busy and our minds so moving. You know, it's probably more challenging for women. Women's minds just, they can, I mean, they can move. I mean, they can like, I mean, you women can can think about 16 things, you know. My wife will come in, sometimes she'll ask me a question. Well, I am still processing question number one. And she's at question number seven. I have to say, well, hold, hold on just a second. I was still trying to figure out how to answer this first question. You know whether your mind runs 100 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour. There is something about being still and know that he is God. There is something about taking some time to be quiet before the Lord and to allow the Lord to speak to you. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, we read a story concerning God's servant, Elijah. Elijah had done a lot for the Lord. Elijah had uh, the showdown with the priests of Baal in chapter number 18. And uh, Elijah found out that Jezebel was after him, and he decided that he's going to go, and he goes a day's journey, 1 Kings 19 And verse number four, and the dude is just wore out. He's just wore out, and he finds himself in a cave. He's not thinking biblically. When God communicates to him, he says, hey, God asks in verse number nine of 1 Kings 19, what are you doing here, Elijah? What was Elijah supposed to be doing? He was supposed to be serving the Lord. He's in a cave. He thinks, he says this to God. He says, hey, I'm the only one left to serve you. It's just me, and they seek my life to take it away. Do you remember what happened? The Bible says that God sent a wind. The Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And the implication is this. God was in the stillness. Sometimes God has to bring sickness into our life to get us to chill for a little bit. To get us to lay on our back so we look up and we see him. God wants us to be still before him. There's a lot going on. I tell you, there's more podcasts and sermons and news. There are so many things going on. And it's our society, it is changing fast. I mean, it's changing so fast. And if we're not careful, we can be busy. And our mind can be busy 24-7. The songwriter said this, Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea, speaking peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. That stillness before the Lord. I am convinced that it is important for us to take time with God every day. I think, you look at the Word of God, I, I think the mornings are the best time to spend time with the Lord. And I tell you this, I know you got sometimes you got little children at home, and sometimes dads, you're going to have to say to, to your wife, hey, I'm going to take all the kids, and I'm going to give you time to spend with the Lord. You see... Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The stillness of taking time with the Lord. And Paul admonishes his church at Thessalonica. Hey, live, increase in love, live in peace. Number three, go back to our text, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 11. That you study to be quiet and do your own business. Number three, mind your own business. Attend to your business. Don't be a busybody. Don't waste time in everyone else's problems. Stay out of other people's issues. Carry out your own work. You ever know some people they kind of get bored and so they either stir up or they love to be part of the drama? <laughs> They want to get involved in other... Hey, Paul admonished the same church in 2 Thessalonians to not be busybodies or individuals that meddle intrusively and unprofitably in the affairs of others. You know, I have found over the years that sometimes people don't want my opinion. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you, sometimes... People don't want your opinion. And, you know, there are some people, how many of you know people have an opinion on, on everything? I mean, they have an opinion on everything, right? Listen, if somebody wants your opinion, they're going to ask for your opinion. And I have found that maybe I should just zip it up, right? Unless, of course, they're going to kill somebody, you know, <laughs> then you better call the police or something, right? Uh, Look, if somebody's in, in sin and they're doing wrong and they say to you, hey, don't tell anybody, but I'm doing, time out, time out. I have a higher call. My higher call is to God. I'm your friend and I love you, but my higher call, I'd rather not know. I sometimes have stopped people. Hold on just a second. You do know that certain issues I can't keep just between you and me. You know, the reality is if somebody's stealing or somebody, hey, we have to say, hey, we got to deal with this. But I'm not talking about that issues. I'm talking about people want to know, listen on somebody else's conversation. And you know, people want to get in and sometimes, by the way, you stay busy just serving the Lord and doing what God wants you to do. And you won't be worrying about it getting and meddling into the affairs of other people. By the way, let me tell you this. You can't be an authority. You can't be an authority on somebody's issues if you don't know all the issues. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's nobody here, and and it was some time ago, and so don't try to go, oh, you know. It always bothers me when church member A gives church member B advice, and church member B follows church member A's advice and church member A has no clue what I know. You see, we're very quick to say, hey, uh, well, let me tell you what I do when I don't have the whole story. And sometimes, of course, as a pastor, you can't share the whole story. You can't share what you know. And you have to just say, oh, well, the Lord will just. I tell you what's really hard for a pastor. i to tell you this, what's really hard for a pastor. I don't have all the answers. I do not. I tell people this. If I don't have the answer, I'll find someone that does, okay? I don't have all the answers. But having been in the ministry for 30, how many years, 32-something years, you see people driving their car. Now, I'm making an illustration here, okay? This is not really seeing people driving the car. They're driving the car of their life, and the car of the life that they're driving is headed for a cliff. And you want to say, hey, Hello? I don't think I'd go this way. You know, think about this. Why is it that a medical doctor can say to you, you come in the office, and they can say to you, you have three months to live barring a miracle from God? You see, because the doctor has been practicing medicine for all those years, and his experience in working and seeing, he makes an educated assessment. And by the way, many times they're correct. You have three months to live based on this condition. You know, a pastor, having seen individuals and people, sometimes people's cars are headed to destruction. And what's difficult on a pastor is you, you can only do so much to help individuals to not go over the cliff. If they allow you to, you can help them a lot more. But often, we're going to do what we're going to do. And this is what we think. And you have to sometimes, your heart breaks I think of Samuel who mourned for Saul all night because Saul wouldn't change his ways. And sometimes you have to allow individuals to make mistakes because they're not willing to find help. Do you know none of us are perfect? (laughs) Do you know we all have problems? We all do. If you have kids here today, I have kids too. Human being kids. That sometimes, many times, did wrong. And I did wrong too. And I had to say to my kids at times, hey, I'm sorry. Do you know what keeps all of us from getting the help that we need? Pride. Pride. <laughs> now, I don't know why I'm talking about this, because this isn't any of the notes. So this must be something the Lord is just saying, hey, talk about this. But uh, we're talking about... Being busybody, getting into other people's. I'm going to summarize a story for you. i was going to take you there. I'm going to summarize because I have one other thought before we go to Lord's Supper. In John chapter 21, do you remember the story? Jesus restores Peter, and he says to Peter, do you love me? Brother Shaw preached on, do you love me? And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, basically, I'm going to just cut to the chase here. You're going to die, and you're going to be martyred, pal. Do you remember what Peter says, What about John? What's going to happen to John? And Jesus says, look, if I will that he tarry till I come, if I want him to live until I come, that's my business. And he basically, in a very nice Christ-like way, says, mind your business, Peter, and you do what you're supposed to do. And reality is it's what we need to be about. Look, God has a specific task for every one of us. We can find ourselves saying, well, why didn't I get asked to do that? Why wasn't my name on the cleaning list? Because I didn't know you wanted to be on there. And if you want to be on there, come forward tonight, and we'll put you on on there every week if you want to be on the cleaning list. (laughs) But sometimes we have to refocus and say, you know what, God? I'm going to do what you've called me to do, and I'm going to stay on track. I'm going to keep pressing on. Number four, and we'll be finished. In this particular passage, um, there were issues with people not fulfilling their responsibilities when it came to work. And that's why he says this, work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. What are we talking about? non-Christians, and that you may have lack of nothing. Our work habits, here's number four, work honestly, work honestly, work honestly. Work, don't be lazy, and work honestly. I was an operations manager at a golf company years ago when I first graduated from, uh, from college, and I had a number of employees that kind of reported to me. You know, there were some employees that I would have to go find. I wonder where so-and-so is. And I have to go up and try to find them. Oh, there they are on the third floor. Taking an hour to bring one golf bag down from floor three to floor (laughs) number one. Our human nature, our flesh, has a tendency to take the easy road out. Our flesh has a tendency to be lazy. Now, if you knew Jesus was coming on Friday, you'd have a tendency to be even more lazy. I'm calling in sick for the rest of the week. Praise And see, that's the mentality here of what's going on here. And Paul is to say, look, your work ethic is important because there are them that are without, the unsaved that are looking and watching you work or not work. Our, our testimony is important. You know, cutting the shortcuts. What do we do when everybody, the boss is not there, and so everybody decides to sit down and take a hour break. <laughs> and then we're like, well, I'm going to go work. And they're like, what are you doing? What are you trying to prove us all wrong? What's your problem? Been there. <laughs> been there. Probably some of you have been there as well. Hey, we're servants to Christ. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, we do all to the glory of God. Whether the boss is watching or not watching, we do our best. Whichever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. In Church of Thessalonica, you're going to have to keep pressing on. The songwriter wrote this, We'll work till Jesus comes. It's a course of the song. We'll work till Jesus come. We'll work till Jesus come, And then what? And then we'll gather home. God has a job for us to do. And we need to do it with all of our might. Colossians 3. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Church of Thessalonica, keep pressing on. Here's some admonition when it comes to pressing on. Here we are, Victory Baptist Church. We're 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 hoping Jesus comes. Amen. I hope you're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. John said, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until he comes, let's keep on, keeping on. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for the truth in your word tonight.